Welcome to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast, where we support your quest for a happier, healthier, planet-friendly life that supports you, your family, and community. We share local information, resources, and support, and opportunities to volunteer for projects that help clean, protect, and repair the environment. This episode is a bonus episode from another show. It includes an interview of a Northern Nevada local who is taking green action through their vocation, volunteer work, or hobby. These stories are interesting and informational and are a great way to get to know our local community better. Today on our podcast, we're speaking with someone who, while studying for her doctorate in molecular biology, started a zero-waste shop to help consumers in her area reduce their waste. We're talking with Samantha Romanek. This year, Samantha is completing her doctorate from the University of Nevada, Reno. Three years ago, her low-waste lifestyle inspired her to start up Black Rock Refill to help consumers reduce their household waste by offering everyday reusables, refillable, and zero wasteables. For Samantha, this isn't just a business, it's a calling. She not only sells products, she helps educate her community on the importance of reusing and refilling. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you for having me, Jenny. I'm so excited to speak with you and share with our listeners more about your path of green action that led you to studying molecular biology and promoting and supporting the zero waste movement. So what planted the seeds for you to want to take some kind of green eco-friendly action? That's that's a good question. And this can actually answer um, another question I think you have. But my journey actually started by reducing my own waste after I read a book called Zero Waste Home by Bea Johnson. However, this was back in 2014. There are a couple of other great books out there now also to read to get inspired, such as uh, 101 Ways to Go Zero Waste by Catherine Kellogg and Life Without Plastic. Um, But what I learned from reading Zero Waste Home was that there is a way of living that is less wasteful. And just realizing that is an option made me want to live better. Once I started researching those options, that that's when I learned more about plastic pollution and the effects it has on us as humans, as well as the health of our planet. So then I was inspired to take better care of our environment. So after you kind of got an idea of where your passion was and your concern, and you did decide to start a zero waste shop, what helped you in the beginning to get things going? So I, I honestly didn't start up my shop right away um, after I started my journey. So uh, how I really got started is I read the zero waste home right after I graduated from UNR with my master's degree in 2014. And as I was looking for refill options in Reno to help support my new lifestyle, I soon realized my options were very limited. So uh, that's when I thought to myself that a refill shop would be a great startup in this area. Unfortunately, I was a scientist, not an entrepreneur. So I didn't know how to start this up and Uh, you know, life just went on. Um, I applied to go back to grad school for a PhD. I got accepted at UNR in 2015. And in 2016, I received an email about the Sontag Entrepreneurship Competition that's hosted by the Osmond Center of Entrepreneurship in the College of Business at UNR. Uh, And this contest awards $50,000 to the winner with the best business idea. So I thought to myself, 
I have a business idea. And I went through the motions to compete in this competition. This is how I, I ultimately got started on my entrepreneurship path. So what were some of the first things that you had to do to kind of get get off the ground. So how I got started is that during the competition, they offered workshops to help build your business idea, as well as how to write a business plan, um, etc. So this was very helpful to me at the time, because I learned how to talk to consumers about product, how to make surveys to get answers to my questions, and ultimately how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't actually compete in that, that competition competition that year because I realized uh, going through all those workshops and everything that I just wasn't ready to uh, compete. So instead, at that time, I, uh, I actually just decided to start up Black Rock Refill. And I just threw myself into it um, and was just going to learn from there. Did you start out operating from the campus initially? I, I started with a a party. <laughs> I invited all of my friends and family and I just did a party to kind of show them what like refilling would look like. So I requested them to bring in their own like small travel bottles for shampoo and conditioner. And I had like a bulk refill for those bottles. And so they came in and I gave them shampoo and conditioner. And then I gave them like some laundry detergent from bulk. And I gave them a survey to answer some questions to help me along the way. And um, what I really wanted vision was at first for a Black Rock refill was it was just going to be like a bulk shop and everything was going to be locally handmade and all of this stuff. But what I learned was that in Reno, there were just, there's just not a lot of options. And um, so my products were very uh, slim and they weren't the best quality. um, So they didn't really sell very well. What I did was just, I was a vendor at local markets, uh, farmer's market, crafter's market, and I just didn't have a good I didn't have a good start. And so I had to think of ways to change to for the better to make it more successful. And so that's when I decided to start sort outsourcing my products. But once I did that, I found some really cool products out there um, on the market. So now I'm, I'm selling those good, great products from all over America. And, and I, I decided to not do bulk. Now I just have pre-weighed refills, which are more ideal, especially since I I don't have a storefront or brick and mortar. I just pop up at farmer's markets and I have an online store with uh, delivery options in the Reno area. So having the pre-weighed refills are very helpful now instead of having to pick up um, people's containers to refill them from bulk. And most of the refills are made in either like paper bags that are compostable or recyclable. So it is still a low waste option. Are you assembling those refills yourself or are you purchasing them as refills and then providing them? Most of them come already pre-weighed and so I don't have to sort them out myself. Um, But there are, um, I do sell laundry detergent pods as well as dish detergent pods. So those ones I actually count out for the refills. So those ones I do uh, measure out myself. So have you been able to do this without having to have a large storage facility or how how are you working around that? Yes. So um, 
when I first started, I just stored the products in my home. Um, so either like in my uh, bedroom or my garage. Um, and that was working out for a while. But then I recently just moved in with my boyfriend and I pretty much downsized. So we did get a storage unit to store our larger items as well as my business stuff. So now I do work out of a storage unit. Nice. So so I understand from the website that you're actually making this available from multiple locations, kind of all in the area. How How is that working for you? Okay, so um, are you referring to my wholesale? Could you explain a little bit about how you're doing that? Sure. Yeah, so um, I work with local retailers. A lot of uh, retailers would come to me and they'd be interested in selling my products. And so, you know, that would be a retail to retail partnership, which is really hard to do um, because a lot of retailers buy wholesale and and resell at retail. And um, so I just didn't know how to go about working with retailers for a very long time. And so finally, I just decided that I would start a wholesale account and uh, or a program where retailers will buy from me at wholesale, I just tack on a small fee onto the cost, the wholesale cost, so that they are still able to sell at a decent retail price. And I still am able to make a little bit of money off of it. So basically, it's nice for them because they look at me as one vendor for all of these type of products instead of ordering all of these type of products from different vendors. Um, So I'm making a little bit easier for them in that way. And then also a part of wholesale program, they are able to get training from me. So I'll go and train their employees about the products, how to use them and things like that, as well as um, I do offer to do any kind of events at their retail shop to help showcase these products um, and things like that. So it's a program and not all of the retailers actually sell all of my products. They actually only sell a selection of them that best fit their shop. That sounds like a really good way to be a lot more available for a whole community. That's great. Yeah, definitely. um, Because they actually have brick and mortar shops as well, which is very nice. So they're, they're always selling these products, whereas I am only at the farmer's market, or at least used to be before the pandemic once a week. So it is nice getting the products out there and just sharing the mission. That's nice. And so when you order online, are you selling to beyond the local area? Or are you trying to sell just to the local area? So my current customer base is in the Reno area. I, as you know, I started my business from scratch. And so a lot of my business is from this area. I have found some customers elsewhere online. And I actually did partner with Be Wild and Co, which is a local company. And uh, what they do is sell of um, other vendors' product online. So they have a huge customer base all across America. And since I partnered with them, I have been shipping out my products to other customers across the country. Um, so I'm slowly, slowly getting out there. But my majority of my customers are in the Reno area. Okay, nice. Are some of the, maybe the challenges that you faced, you did mention kind of having some of them, but were there any others that you maybe were surprised you might have? Yeah, so yeah, at the beginning, a lot of the challenges were trying to figure out what would be the best products 
to sell? Like what would sell? I mean, I'm not an entrepreneur. I've only have been for the past three years, but I think that a good product can sell itself. And so that's kind of what I've I've been looking for. What are the best products out there to uh, support this mission that can basically sell themselves? So finding those products were very hard. And I finally think I've I've got it down now. So that was hard. Building my customer base is always hard. You have to get out there, talk to people, get in front of people. But that was also very helpful for me as a grad student as well, because I was able to practice my public speaking skills. So now I'm, I'm a very good presenter and I can talk to people no problem with my science or with my business. So that was fun. And then also... As a grad student, I don't have a lot of time or money to start up a brick and mortar and things like that. Um, So that's another challenge I face. And I I don't want to, you know, resort to loans and things like that. I, I actually think that if you have a good enough business, you can actually build it up to a point uh, where you want it. So I'm still, I still consider myself a startup because of some of those challenges, even though it's been three years, still a pretty small setup, but I have come a very long way. Um, So I'm very proud of where I'm at right now. Nice. Did you have any like techniques or ways of balancing your studies with running your business as well? I mean, that must be challenging. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how I, I, treat my schooling as a full-time job. So um, I try to go in Monday through Friday, you know, nine to five, get all my stuff work done there. And then uh, my business, actually, I work on in the evenings and the weekends. So the Riverside Farmers Market was held on uh, Saturday mornings, which was perfect for my schedule. And then, I mean, they switched to Thursday evenings in the summer, which also fit my schedule. So things like that. So it is it is a lot of work. I, I honestly don't recommend it. <laughs> but it's been it's been very helpful for me on both journeys because I think it, you know, my business has helped me with my science and my science has actually helped me with my business. So it has been a great journey together. Um, but I don't, I definitely don't recommend it. So what are some of the things that concern you about microplastics that you wish people knew more about? The most important and biggest problem that we see with microplastics is that it's everywhere in our environment and there is no easy way to get rid of them. So they are going to persist in our environment for a very long time. And what that means for the health of our planet, the health of us and the health of wildlife we just don't know yet. Um, those answers or those questions have not been answered. There are researchers working on these answers, but right now we just don't have those answers and we don't know um, what the future of the microplastics have for the fate of us or the planet. So I think that's the most important thing to be aware of and that microplastics actually come from larger plastics like a plastic bottle in our environment they just break down to smaller smaller pieces that we can't clean up so I think it's very important if you see litter outside somewhere just pick it up because that can ultimately turn into a million smaller pieces that would be so much harder to pick up than that one plastic bottle in our environment 
So do you also find that there's something to be concerned about with uh, nanoplastic particles that might be added to products or things of that sort? Yeah. So when we start talking about nanoplastics, now nanoplastics are much smaller than microplastics. And then these plastics are the ones that are small enough to start passing through cell membranes, barriers uh, within the body. And so we just don't know what, where those nanoplastics can end up. So there are some studies that show that they could accumulate in organs. Um, I think that study was done in mice. Um, and then, but we don't know if, you know, the, that accumulation is harmful or not just yet. We don't, we also don't have those answers. But yeah, those ones are the ones we should definitely worry about. And those ones are definitely harder to clean out than uh, the microplastics even. But we do have a bunch of those currently in our environment. But we also have, we don't have a lot of technology out there to analyze for them as well. So scientists are still working on the best ways to even identify nanoplastics in our environment um, and even study them. So the first thing they have to do is find the best way um, to identify them, analyze them, study them before we can even start asking questions about what they're doing. I thought that I'd heard that they might be phasing them out. Is that true? Are they phasing them out? And if so, when? They should be. <laughs> I actually haven't heard uh, much about that. I know, like, for example, the microbeads in cosmetics have been banned in the U.S. I think that was back in 2015. So I would see that adding any other kind of uh, small plastic into any other products would probably be banned pretty soon or hopefully are, um, as we know that they are very harmful in our environment and we just don't know what what they could do. So um, hopefully, but I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that you and others have been enjoying the rewards of your efforts? Um, well, I'd like to share with you that um, I have calculated my environmental impact on behalf of my business. And so how I do that is I basically asked, um, I surveyed some um, my customers and asked them about their their living routine. So how often do you do laundry? How often do you eat out? And based on those answers, I came up with um, an average. And I take that average and I multiply it by the sales of a certain product. And then that tells me how much impact or how much uh, plastic products we are preventing from either entering a landfill or our environment. And um, in 2019, I calculated that we prevented, me and my customers have prevented over 155,000 plastic, single-use plastic items from um, entering a landfill or our environment. And so that's a that's a big number. I, I wish to grow that number this year, but unfortunately, the pandemic is affecting uh, my ability to do that. But I do think that that is a big number and it's a great start. And I'm very proud of 
that number and just to see all of the people um, I looked and saw how many customers I have and out of the whole entire time I've been in business I have over 500 customers I think a quarter of that is actually uh, returning I think that was in 2019 um, so just seeing all of the people who are interested in taking part in this mission whether it's just reusing a straw when they go out or utensils or just refilling their laundry detergent um, just every little way a lot of people always say uh, thank you for doing what you do and to be honest I hear that more with my business than I do with my clients so that's very that's very nice to hear um, it's very touching too so all of that is very rewarding to me so what do you see happening with BlackRock Refill after you have your doctorate? Do you see yourself continuing what you're doing with working during the day? I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm trying to graduate in December. <laughs> so um, it's a lot to think about. And what I would like to do is I'd like to continue my research in microplastics. And there are there is a lot of... Uh, there's a science, scientist at DRI as well as UC Davis and Tahoe Environmental Research Center. So local researchers that are researching microplastics, unfortunately, they don't see an opening with them in the near future for me. And so it looks like I might have to look elsewhere outside of Reno if I want to study microplastics, but I really want to do that. And um, the next step in my career, I'd like to find a place where I could do both my research and education as well as bring my business with me. That would be ideal, but uh, I know that there's a possibility that that won't work. So I would like to still keep it up, but I'm not quite sure what the future holds just yet. Gotcha. So if your ideas and your experience and wisdom were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action to give to others, what advice would you like to give someone that's considering this? What I always like to tell my customers is that um, reducing your waste is a journey. It's not a destination. So it's going to be something that you will continue to work on um, every day. So there's no like end goal, no end date, no end product. There's, it's just going to be, you're, you're creating a new lifestyle essentially. And to do that, what I like to say is make a goal, maybe make a goal, uh, one goal a month. So one say um, for the 1st of July, you want to start saying no to plastic straws or, or plastic bags. So you start that habit July 1st, and hopefully by the end of July, it'll actually become a habit um, and then you can make a new goal for August 1st, and then you create that new habit. And then basically all of these habits built up will lead into a new lifestyle. I also believe in a quality of life. And so um, to be honest, I still use toothpaste in a tube because I haven't found a great alternative for me just yet. But everything else in my dental hygiene routine is zero waste. So I am doing what I can do without sacrificing my quality of life. I know you recommended some books earlier. Do you have any websites or films that you would like to recommend? There's a lot of websites um, out there. It depends on what you're looking for and how you want to get involved. There's websites if you want to keep up on legislation. There's websites if you want to learn more about do it your um, do it yourselves um, and how-to videos, things like that. Um, uh, and then a film uh, more recently 
what just came out is, as you know, the story of plastic documentary. That is a great uh, film. It opened my eyes up even more. And I just saw this film um, a couple several weeks ago, pretty much how the plastic industry has been exploiting people for years and they need to start taking responsibility for their products that they make. Um, so that was a great film to watch and very inspirational, I think. And then also, lastly, my website, I have been working during this pandemic to, I have created a resources page as well as a research page to pretty much um, have all of these resources in one place. So if you want to learn more about microplastics locally, I have, there's a bunch of activities and things there that um, I put in one place. I'm also conducting some small at-home experiments of my own to put on the research page. So uh, people can actually go to uh, my website, www.blackrockrefill.com. Um, and check out those pages too to learn more as well. I have some videos on there to show what I do in my daily life to help reduce, refuse, repurpose, reuse, refill. <laughs> and then lastly, I, I just want people to realize that you should do all of those R's, then recycle. Because I don't think that uh, recycling is, is the best solution to reducing plastic pollution. So do you have any events or projects that you would like to share with us? Um, there is Plastic Free July. So the whole month of July, uh, you don't have to go completely 100% plastic free, but take some kind of pledge. I am going to uh, refuse those plastic grocery bags at the store um, the whole month of July. Uh, just something like that. Maybe just one goal um, just, just to help you get started. I am working. Um, I, I teach high school science over the summer. So I will start teaching next Monday. So I am actually working on a curriculum right now to teach them. Uh, it's environmental science with an emphasis on plastic pollution. So I'm really excited and proud about that curriculum. And I will be posting uh, some of those curriculum on uh, my website as well. So people can check that out. What a good one would be, especially during this pandemic, is a, a home waste audit. And I actually did this myself. Um, I posted my results on my website under the research tab. Um, but basically, uh, look at what you put in your trash can, look what you put in your recycling can. I even weighed out all of my waste uh, too, as well as food waste to see how much waste I create in general. And then I weighed how, how much of that food waste is I'm actually composting, how much of that waste I'm actually recycling, and how much of it is actually going to landfill. And I think I calculated that I actually, my household produces 96% less waste than the average two-person households. Um, and that was calculated from, um, I think, the average American produces four, four and a half pounds of trash per day. So if you multiply that by two times a whole week, I made 95% less uh, than that. So doing that own that kind of project in your own home um, is very informative. It lets you realize how much you're actually producing compared to the average American. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? What's really important right now, especially during this pandemic, is that the plastic companies are trying to tell us that 
um, using these single-use plastic products are the only way that we're going to survive this pandemic. And I just, I don't think that's true. I have found a lot of science evidence to back up my claims and not theirs. And I actually do have a video of this on my website as well on the resources page. But I just don't want people to think that they do have to resort to these single-use plastic items during these times um, because they don't. For example, if you don't like taking those plastic bag bags home from the grocery store, there are options. Um, you know, you're you're using a cart at the store. You're putting your groceries in it. Might as well use that cart, um, take your groceries to the cart, and then load up your bags there uh, so you don't make anyone upset in the store that you're bringing your own. Um, or you can opt to uh, for um, paper bags. Um, those are at least recyclable and compostable. Um, another thing you can do is um, if you do accept those plastic bags, a lot of the stores actually recycle those plastic bags. So looking into those options as well. Um, so there are ways around this. There are ways around it. And don't think that you have to resort back to these single-use items. I know I'm not, I'm trying my best not to. Um, so I think that's really important to keep in mind and remember and that there are ways around it as well. Thank you for listening to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to this show so we can send you monthly episodes and keep you up to date on opportunities for eco-friendly living in Northern Nevada. For now, please take good care of you and yours, stay well, and help us all make this a kinder, healthier, and greener community for all.